Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello there. My name is Miles Jupp, cricket fan. And together with my co-host, Mark Wood, actual cricket man, we invite you to listen to Middle Please Umpire, a new cricket podcast containing the two of us banging on and sounding off together about cricket and quite possibly all manner of other things while lifting the lid on Mark's life as an international cricketer. And as if that wasn't enough, we shall be welcoming some great guests along the way and chatting to them about life on and off the playing field as they spill the beans, drop some truth bombs and see if they can withstand the scrutiny of our brutal interrogations. Middle Please Umpire is available right now from all your favourite podcast providers. Spurs fans around the world, it's Theo Delaney speaking to you here from London with another edition of the Spurs show, (coughs) or what I meant to say was, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Spurs show in association with William Hill, the official betting partner of Tottenham Hotspur. Four of us here in a state of high excitement, close actually to euphoria, I would say. We're uh, making the most of it. Joining me again, Stuart Maester. Welcome back, Stuart. Hello, Theo. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. Welcome back also, Simon Dent. Hi, Theo. Good to see you all. And welcome, Jeff Brazier. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm excellent. Yeah, all about yourself. Very good. Very, very excited. Jeff, is this your first time on the Spurs show? Yeah, it's my first appearance. Right. uh, Yeah, looking to do well. Well, very welcome. You've you've timed your run to perfection. You've probably been thinking, I'm only going to go on at the right time. And this is the right time. Top of the league. That's right, listeners, in case you weren't aware, we are top of the league. Jeff, while I remember, when we, when we have a new guest on for the first time, we always ask, what was your first game watching Tottenham Hotspur? Uh, it was a one-all draw at the lane against Coventry. And I'm guessing I was probably about seven. So we're talking about 1986, maybe 1987. 
Mm. Um, yeah, nothing to do with the, the FA Cup, obviously, but it was a league game. I remember Brian Kilcline playing for them for some yeah. reason. A memorable uh, figure. Yeah, it was. I always remember him as well. He stood out for me in the FA Cup encounter. Um, he was interviewed before the game, and I remember the reporter asking him something that I, I interpreted as him being asked about whether he'd had an affair or something. <laughs> he was very quick to to kind of to quash the conversation. I've always wanted to go back there. And go, what was that all about? Jeff, you've got to get him on. You've got to get him on as a guest to one of these FA Cup specials you do. And then, then you can ask him again. You get that clarified. I think it's be best for everyone, especially now it's out in the open. Anyway. I would like to. Yeah. Anyway, we've got so much to talk about, of course. Um, I rather think we might start with our most recent game because it was an, an absolutely fascinating game. Game of the weekend because two genuine title contenders coming face-to-face at Stamford Bridge on Sunday. And uh, although there were no goals, I don't know, I found it gripping from start to finish. And, um, you know, I think most of us in the circumstances probably would have taken a point before the game. Simon, how did you see it? Um, I mean, first, I would have taken a point, definitely. It was the first game at Stamford Bridge I've not been to in almost 20 years. I mean, that, that was usually my the one I look at on the team sheet to go to. So, I firstly, it was uh, strange not being there. Secondly, it was even strange that my father-in-law's a Chelsea fan and he invited him over to watch it. <laughs> so that was just having him sat there in a Chelsea shirt was quite distressing. Um, yeah. But, yeah, as a game, I think that, you know, a point to point, I was really happy. I think that um, there's been a bit of criticism levelled for our sort of, you know, the strike force didn't really perform. But I think it was a job done, and yes, we missed the chance at the end, but I think with the save that Lloris pulled off and the Giroud chance right at the end, um, I'm happy with it, definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was a fair result. What do you think, Stuart? Uh, no, I don't think it was a fair result. I think we got away with one, to be honest with you. But um, my, I feel slightly differently about it, which is that I thought it was the classic game of two halves, wasn't it? At the first half, I thought we did really well. It was like City all over again. And I felt it was an, a wonderfully fascinating chess game uh, in which, we, in which frankly, Chelsea still probably deserved to be ahead. But we were doing brilliantly. We, could have, we also were punchy. You know, we were slugging away. The second half, I'll be honest with you, I was very disappointed. I'm not, I'm, I'm, with everyone, I'm delighted with the point. But in the second half, we just seemed to me to be revert to that kind of hoofing it upfield, trying to win the knockdown, which we didn't. And we were just doing, and they were coming wave after wave back at us. So when uh, Roden made his mistake, you have to say, it's a bit like when Eric Dyer did against, um, wasn't it United that time? You know, where where it, you, at some point you just you, there's going to be a mistake because they just keep coming at us. And so I, the, the second half, I was there was no more chess. Like we were just knocking the pieces off the board and hoping they'd go away. Whereas the first half, I thought we were like Sissy, which was a brilliant chess game by by Mourinho. I imagine that that is the the result of Mourinho's at, at halftime. He's just decided there is no way we are going to lose this game, and that is the only important thing. And that's the way the players have interpreted his instructions. Maybe his instructions were just to, to stay very very deep and be completely lacking in ambition. Jeff, we've all we're all pretty much agreed that a draw is a good result in that game. Are you are you of the school of thought that if we play some ugly football and some uh, negative football every now and then, if we get the results, that's fine? 
Yeah, that's the interesting. Um, it's a very mild divide, but divide nonetheless between a lot of us supporters is that if we're going to get on the Mourinho bandwagon, uh, he's our manager, so we might as well. Um, then we should come to expect this. Um, this, I mean, some people would obviously describe it a tactical masterclass. Uh, certainly against Man City, you'd credit him with that. Um, really, it's the same approach. And if we're going to be impatient about the fact that we're going to draw these games, I mean, when you look at it, is that our fourth clean sheet in a row? I think we're the only Premier League side that's cle- that, that's kept three consecutive clean sheets. And uh, we know what you can build on. Um, clean sheets, you know, successful uh, title challenges, which we all, I think, are daring to believe is possible. Um, what's in our DNA is obviously we we like flair players, we like attacking football, we like excitement, we want to be entertained. I think we might have to forfeit that every now and again against some of our title rivals. Um, because the way I, I, I mean, I, you recognise it last year, really, I went to watch quite a few games and you look at it and you think, it's almost as if he's going to be rigid, solid, um, until almost like the last 10 minutes where he then maybe gives a license for us to, to try and expand a little bit more and um, try and catch teams out in that time of the game when obviously people concede the most. Um, and I, I kind of I think that he is happy to concede the fact that we're probably not going to concede and they'll have to really go some to do so. Um, but uh, actually, we are going to have three or four chances. And Bergwijn for me in the first half was probably our best chance. Lo Celso in the in the last couple of minutes where he found himself like a rabbit in the headlights, unfortunately, on the edge of the area. And you would have liked him to have done better. But if either of those go in and it's a one nil win again, we're referring to it as a tactical masterclass. I don't know what the odds are on how many of those games are going to come off in our favour and how many of them we're going to just sort of accept that it's a draw. But. That, you know, the last two games where we've taken four points off of uh, Man City and Chelsea, I think I think it would be complacent of us to not be accepting of it. But again, I, I appreciate that other fans will have a different mindset. Can, that I'm back, can I just come back on that just a bit a second? Because actually, it, from my point of view, it's not the tight, the, the Mourinho style that I, I had. I had no problem with that. Like when we did against City or the first half against Chelsea, being very tight... Not playing free, not playing free flying football, uh, uh, but going on the break. I had no issue with that whatsoever. I loved it actually, and I love the discipline and the ruthless kind of bolshiness of it. I loved it. It was the fact that this hoofing, the hoofing piece, when we got this great midfield, which was in the in the first half and against City, we played it out brilliantly. The hoofing seemed to be self-defeating. I didn't get it. It didn't seem to work. And it wasn't the style thing. It wasn't objection to style. It was the objections to the substance, if you like. It wasn't working. Having said that, I just want to say, if the Celso had scored that goal at the end <laughs> and we'd have absolutely smashed and grabbed it, mm. I would have been over the moon. That would have been fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, we did concede possession a bit too easily. That was the thing. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, even uh, some of the passing in the second half did go a little bit awry. And... Um, you know, I, it was very interesting that he chose Rodon actually at centre back because uh, he had. It, it seemed like a pretty even. He could have chosen any one of three, couldn't he? Tanganga or or Sanchez. And Sanchez, I think, is probably the. Well, I don't know anything about Rodon. None of us do really. Not not any. We haven't hardly seen him. First time we really saw him, and he looked fine given given it was his first start in the Premier League. Wow. But um, you know, Sanchez is a forty-two million pound player, but his only flaw is at least once a game. 
he suddenly, for no good reason, just gives the ball away in, the, in his own third of the pitch. He always does it. It's guaranteed. And I've just been thinking recently how good Dyer's been. And he did it twice. He did it twice in that second half. And I was tearing my what's left of my hair out. I mean... Oh, I thought the possession thing was a worry. But also, I'll tell you another thing that's quite interesting is if we play like this regularly, is there ever is Gareth Bale ever going to get any playing time? What do you think, Simon? Well, I think it's working out quite well with the sort of midweek, the midweek team and, and the weekend team. And obviously that's going to, to get even worse, stroke better as we go into, well, hopefully we get past Stoke. And then obviously we've got to na- navigate Marine. But I think, we you know, come, come January, we're, we're fighting on four fronts. You know, Dale seems to be happy playing on the Thursday night. Obviously, that tournament, when you get through the group, is going to really hot up. And I think suddenly there will be the likes of Kane, probably Son, probably Aldevero dropping into that team as well as that gets to business end. So I think it's, you know, actually, when the substitutes are being made and, and Ben Davies came up, came on, a small part of me was just hoping that we bail. But that, that just reminded me how little I know about football and substitutions. That was just more one for the romantic. But, uh, yeah, I think that Bale's bubbling away nicely. There's been a few signs that he's coming back. There was a couple of glimpses last Thursday night. So, yeah, I, I'm happy with it if he's happy with it. Yeah. Well, i tell you what we're going to do now. We're going to take a little break. We've got so much more to talk about. But I thought I'd get the housekeeping away <laughs> over and done with early. So we'll take a little break. Now, a couple of other things I've got to tell you after that that message. Um, apparently, you know what we're going to do? We are going to be putting up some of our best or your, this is for you listeners, some of your best slash worst Christmas jokes. We are going to be uh, taking them and presenting them to the players via our partners at William Hill. They want you to send in your videos and we'll collate the best ones and make sure they're funny. And they're going to take them to the players, and you'll see the reactions of the players. So we're looking for good jokes here, or even bad ones, but we're looking for reactions. By the way, there are rules applying, because uh, advertising always has rules. I know that only too well. So because it's a gambling thing, over 18s only, and no alcohol on display. I'm guessing there are other no-nos as well, but I guess they go without saying. Um, so send your jokes to sponsorships at williamhill.com. And see if you can get Kane cackling, Lamella laughing, and Son sniggering. That's what it says here. Oh, Make sure you start the video saying who you are as well. Identify yourself. That's very important. And while we're on the subject of William Hill, who are supporting this show this season, we're delighted to say, here are some odds. We'll be talking about the game in a minute, but here are some odds for the Arsenal game coming up. Spurs to win and both teams to score. 27 to 10. Kane first goal scorer. 3 to 1. Son to score any time, 7-5. Spurs to win 2-0, 15-2. And here's the one I like the look of. If I was a betting man, this looks quite tasty to me. Arsenal to be relegated, 100-1. <laughs> that looks like value to me. <laughs> that looks like value. Go to williamhill.com or, if you haven't already, download the app. And, uh, and the app all enhanced prices in the build-up to kick off you'll find there. So... Uh, we talked about the two teams. 
we saw that last week in the it seems like such a long time ago the Chelsea game was so taxing it took so much out of you emotionally that uh, you almost completely forgot about the uh, the game that had gone before the Ludicrets game but that was a very satisfying night wasn't it because as you say that was the Thursday night team playing very well unlike the other week where he lost his temper with them at half time and said he could have brought them all off and you start to wonder whether actually Mourinho's crazy uh, technique of being nasty to the team whenever they don't play well and or whether they don't get the right result. It starts to look like it worked because um, they've not they've not misbehaved since he gave them that terrible telling off. How did, what did you make of that game, uh, Jeff? Um, well, yeah, job done, obviously. Um to, to get a few goals as well. It's just fantastic for confidence. Um, but referring to Mourinho in terms of psychologically, we knew he was a bit of a, a, a tactical genius with regards to getting the best out of players beforehand. We kind of looked at him at Man United and thought, you are past your sell-by date. You're, uh, you know, maybe in some respects that was disrespectful because um, you don't become a bad manager overnight. But you wondered whether he had other stuff going on that was just tainting his kind of his love and approach of football. Uh, management, um, but here he is at Tottenham for whatever reason. It just seems like it's all clicking. It seems like he and the, the club um, are sort of made for one another. When at the beginning I was I was really staunchly kind of against it. Didn't see how how, how the club's philosophy and and him as a as a manager would fit whatsoever. Um, and it just shows you how little we know <laughs> um, because his his love for the game is back. He's um, you know, the way that he gets the best out. By the way, a large squad, a very good, talented squad. But come on, let's think about how tricky it is to have two sides almost playing two games a week in the Europa League and, and in the Premier League. Next month, uh, in December, we've got nine games. And he's got to navigate that, keeping everybody happy, keeping everybody hungry and motivated. For me, um, if, um, you know, what he's done with Dyer is exceptional uh, because he was worrying me as to what kind of player we were going to be left with after all the hype of him potentially going at Man United. But if he can get um, Dyer, sorry, if he can get Dali Ali back to, to his best, um, then then I think that you know it, it's it's the job complete almost. You know, yes, he's got to play the rest of the season, but in terms of what he can do for an individual within the squad. Um, so, yeah, I, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate the fact that he's been able to have such a large impact on, on all of them individually, which we know, you know, comes together collectively and creates the kind of start to the season that we've had. Well, Delhi certainly played well in that game, that 4-0 win over Ludogretz. Uh, what did you make of uh, Vinicius as well, Simon? Yeah, look, he's, he's 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 more than the sort of backup striker, isn't he? I think I, you know, I don't know how he's going to fit him in. I'd love to see him play alongside Kane at some stage, but I can't see that happening in a, you know, I think that's more of a Kane coming off the bench in maybe a League Cup or an FA Cup game. Um, but he's enthusiastic. He's a proper striker in that position. It's all about confidence and getting goals. And I think he's got a couple under his belt now. He seems to work well with more. Uh, there's a real willingness um, in the team for him to succeed. And I think, again, we've mentioned this before about the stadium being empty. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing sometimes as a striker because, you know, when you do put it wide, you don't hear the groans or see the whites of the eyes of the fans behind the goal and you can just go again. And I think, you know, in that position, he may well benefit from that. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting point about the crowd. Another thing about this kind of style of play that Jose's got, I mean, 
especially home games. I mean, I'm thinking now about the Brighton game, for example. There have been times in home games against not necessarily big clubs where this team, this season, and no one's complaining overall because of we're top of the league after all, but where we have sat back and not gone forward and you just think, wouldn't the crowd be just, you'd be going crazy in some of those games. You go, for Christ's sake. I mean, the intolerance would be big. And I just wonder whether that has been a, a good thing. What do you think, Stuart? I mean, in terms of the game results. Yeah, I think... Uh, look, I don't think there's any question about that, that um, uh, we're one of the teams where Jose's had, 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 or Jose's had some time to kind of uh, get away with things that he might not have been able to do. I, I want to pick up Jess' point. I think he was right when he said earlier about the kind of bollocking he gave him after, after the other match, Antwerp, where I personally thought, oh, God, here we go. Instead of waiting for two or three years to fall out with his squad, he's going to do yeah. it much sooner. Yeah. And, I, and I'm with him. I, I thought we're getting bad. Bad Jose's come out again now. You know, good Jose was there, but bad Jose's suddenly come out. And this is not going to go down well. But actually, it's had the, the opposite effect. He obviously, what, what, we've, what we've discovered is he knows even more about football management than I do, which is a shock <laughs> to many people, I'm sure. But, but uh, nevertheless, um, I, yeah, I, th- I, I do think that. Although I, do, I think also, though, that although Spurs crowds are notoriously fickle and, uh, and have a very uh, short attention span, and we are all... We're also so hungry and desperate for success. Mm. I do wonder if whether we would give, have given him some slack because of his track record and because there is, a, you know, he's a serial winner and all of that. Um, as far as Ludogorets goes, I find it hard to have a very strong opinion on that because we were playing one of the top teams in Bulgaria. And it wasn't even their first team because most of them had COVID, didn't they? So, yeah. you know, to win well there, it's kind of par. I think it was a par result rather than anything other than that, yeah. was my own view. Yeah, yeah it's just still pleasing to watch and great opportunity for players who needed confidence to get some, Delhi and Vinicius in particular, I would have said. Well, on Bale, though, you mentioned Bale before. One of the interesting things is that Bale is not yet setting the world alight, even against weak teams, is he? So that's, uh, you know... I, I, uh, we're all just sitting there waiting any minute that, you know, the fuse is going to be lit and it's all going to, the rocket's going to take off. And, hmm, I mean, we're just, we're all sitting there waiting, hoping that happens. Well, maybe it'll happen on Thursday because we've got, we've got uh, Lask on Thursday. We still need, we still need to get a result to go through out of this group, which is obviously, I mean, Mourinho will be looking at this trophy. Like he's all these four trophies that we're in. He's won them all, of course. And he, and he is trophy hungry. And that's why he's, that's why we're saying he's such a good match. So it's important that he, he will take this one seriously against Lask. Um, can you see any surprises there in the, in the team selection or anything, Simon? Sorry, can I just quickly pick up on a previous point from Stuart? Sure. Around the fans yeah. in the stadium, I think it's quite interesting around the game on Sunday at Chelsea. Um, Chelsea Stamford Bridge isn't a notorious hostile ground, but I think, you know, we are their biggest game. And I think that last 15 minutes, if that was full of Chelsea fans, I think it, it could have been a very different outcome. I think that mm. there was an intensity on the pitch. There were phases in the play where... They were just coming at us. And, you know, part of me just thinks that that would have, whatever, helped convert a chance for them. And related to that, I remember Wenger always used to talk about um, it's harder for London teams to win 
titles because of London derbies. Yeah. And my view, London derbies are only London derbies because of the intensity the crowds create. I don't think, you know, Davidson Sanchez particularly has anything against Reese James on the pitch. It's more about the occasion created by the supporters. And, and yeah. So I think, again, taking all that out of the equation this season, you know, maybe it's not going to have any impact. You know, Tottenham Arsenal this weekend, is it going to feel like a derby? Probably not. So that is going to help us with the title charge. And sorry, going back to your actual question about Lask, I think, again, I think it's a, it's the same team he plays. Um, I don't, you know, I think Delhi will play again. I don't think Delhi plays against Arsenal. And I think he lets that, that team just, just keep chipping away until we get to the knockout stages, where, as I said before, I think you'll get a few of the first team dropping into it. Yeah. Did you want to jump in there, Jeff? Yeah, no, just to support really what the guys are saying there, because I, I go to a lot of games, obviously, with BT Sport. I'm one of the very lucky, privileged few that are getting to actually attend football matches and um, had some great uh, FA Cup games this weekend. But, you know, it is really easy to stand there and, and to consider how different these games might have gone if, um, if, if both home and away fans were there. I mean, we're the best away side in the Premier League at the moment. The, the game at Stamford Bridge was our first points dropped away. Um, whereas actually to consider how, you know, when anyone listening to this will, will have to ask himself, you know, how would you be, um, receiving, uh, or how vocal would you be if, um, if we look back at our first three home games and the fact that we lost to Everton and then we drew to Newcastle and then we completely chucked it away at West Ham. Uh, what would the atmosphere have been like? Mm. Um, how detrimental might that have been to the morale of the squad generally, to our acceptance of Mourinho? And I think personally, us not having fans, being that we're a transitional club because we've signed you know six or seven new players, I think that it's really done us a favour to to not have the fans um, at the early part of the season. I think it's worked in our favour. I know it's funny. <laughs> Four, four crazy football fans desperate to watch football, and we're talking ourselves out there. Everyone Jeff, stay at home, and it'll be all right. Jeff, as you mentioned, you're Jeff, you're all over the FA Cup, as you said on BT Sport. What ch- do, you, do you give us a good chance away at Marine? <laughs> Isn't it fascinating? Let me tell you a bit about Marine. I'm sure a few people might have watched that cup tie, but what you've got surrounding the pitch is people's back gardens. Um, in one person's back garden, you had a, a lady cooking chips and, and giving away for nothing through the fence. Wow. Um, you know, you've got people there, obviously, socially distanced, kind of watching the game, enjoying a drink. And um, it's a, a bizarre set up all non-league clubs have got their quirks and nuances and and, and marina are, are really right up there with with those but i think it's the biggest gap in terms of tiers from the premier league down to the eighth tier that there's ever been in a third round cup tie um so it's going to capture that romance of the fa cup there's a lot of people that obviously feel that the fa cup should be uh maybe consigned to the to the past you know and, and that it's just sort of a uh, playing a part in fixture congestion, but I, I personally hope that I'm working at the game. I hope that Des Kelly doesn't pull rank on me. I, I, you know, would obviously love to aim a few questions at Mourinho, and um, yeah, it, you, you'd like to look at it and think, well, this could be a, an absolute obliteration. Um, and you wonder, you know, is it possible that they might actually want to reverse the fixture? Um, if there were fans, then I think that would be a given. But because there isn't, maybe actually they might like to try and yeah. withhold that. 
So, you know, you wouldn't even, Tottenham wouldn't even entertain an eighth tier side in a pre-season friendly. So yeah. to, to, to send your, your best down there to pay, <laughs> to pay it the respect it's due. Um, I can't wait to watch it and just see what kind of game of football that will be. It'll be unique, though. Yeah. Marine, Marine v. Mourinho. Hey. Jeff, just because just you mentioned him, just a brief tangent. What did you make of uh, Des Kelly versus Klopp at the weekend? Well, he, you know, I, I'm, I'm like an understudy to him, and he showed me the levels, really. And I think you, you imagine you're asking managers questions, and, you know, just to give an insight. Like the, the worst people to speak to are the ones that have just lost, yeah. especially the ones that are maybe under pressure. What Klopp, I think, showed us and showed Des Kelly was the pressure that he's probably under to maintain the levels from last year. And that's fantastic for us. Yeah. And all Des Kelly really did was to um, was to defend himself because it did sound personal. Yeah. You know, he, was, he was well done to you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he also defended, I guess, the, the you know, BT Sport broadcasting generally and, and probably just gave him a, a bit of a lesson about how it actually works. And um, you could see the transition for Klopp going from being incensed and, you know, sort of almost being um, childlike in a way that he was just chucking his toys out mm. uh, to actually realising, oh, you know, I, I, maybe this is maybe I've, I've misrepresented the argument. And yeah. um as a result, it was a bit of a present, to be honest, but also me sort of watching it, just feeling like that's now that's the sort of courage that you, you, you might feel like I'm just a reporter and I'm just here to ask the questions. But we, we represent, as you do here with the podcast, we, we represent the views of, uh, of, of the fans. So, um, yeah, I thought we did a, an excellent job. And I also loved seeing um, Klopp have a bite up and have a wobble because it's all great for us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Now we've skirted around it, but now let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the North London derby. I can't remember. Well, I mean, we haven't been top of the league at this stage of a season since the mid eighties, since Jeff was a, was a tiny child visiting White Hart Lane for the first time. And uh, to go into a game against Arsenal, I don't know what are we, something like 12, 13 places ahead of them. In the, uh, but I've got a mate who, who delivers all the uh, packages here, you know, from Amazon and Hermes. And he's, a, and he wears an Arsenal shirt all the time. And we have a, we have, you know, we have a right laugh, the two of us. And I said to him, are you looking forward to the weekend? I am. And he said, don't be too, don't be too hasty. And of course, we both uttered the immortal words simultaneously. The form book goes out the window. <laughs> so, I mean, they are, they do look pretty awful, but they're not, they've got some good players. How do you see it going, Stuart? Are you worried? Well, the default position, as we say every week on this show, as you say every week on this show, is to be worried if you're a Spurs fan, right? I mean, I've got too many decades of scars on my back of disappointment and failed hopes to be, uh, to not have some worry. However, however, they're shit. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and we are really good, and we've got a manager who knows how to win, even with shit sides, let alone good sides. Um, there are no fans there, although you know that makes no difference, does it, in terms of Arsenal? But the um, but you know, if we're ever going to be confident going into a North London derby, this has got to be a year where we're confident going into a North London derby, right? So, um, 
Yeah, and I, I, the other thing is, it was interesting, uh, something Simon said earlier about Chelsea, which which does, you're right about taking some of the sting out of this. It, it wasn't only that the fans went to Chelsea, it was that half the players on both teams were best mates with players from the other team, right? You know, you had lots of best mates who were playing against each other, and at the end of it, they're all hugging each other, which they would never have done if the fans were there. You know, um, so and and similarly when we're playing Arsenal, although of course for all of us it's an North London derby, and for some of the players on the pitch, for people like Harry Kane and 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 Co, of course they understand that. Actually, it's just a really really good team that's top of the league against a really shit team that is <laughs> underperforming. Okay, okay, well, calm down now. We don't. We, I hope you're touching wood over there. <laughs> I am. I think, <laughs> well, by the way, I have to share my conspiracy theory at some point about. Yeah, Arsenal. well, uh, well, all right. Well, let me just let me just put this little hypothesis. There's there's a perception with Arsenal that uh, Arteta has come in there and he's looked at them for for years. They've been they've been like, you know, very flimsy and very vulnerable. And he's what he's done is come in and he's shored up that defence so that they're quite hard to pe- play against. They're no longer pushovers. This is the theory, at least. But they've become rather impotent. Going forward, the way Jose's been playing is very much about keeping it incredibly solid and hoping to hit teams on the on the break. Could we be looking at the most boring North London derby ever, Simon? Yeah, potentially. But, I, I, you know, I don't know if, if Mourinho is going to go for the same tactics as we've had against City and Chelsea. I think this is a, a really beatable Arsenal team. I think we'll go out there with confidence. I think we'll, we'll attack from the start. And the reality is... They've got so much pressure on them. Two more defeats and they're in the bottom three. And suddenly, you know, a club like Arsenal goes into the bottom three. The manager probably loses his job, which brings a whole heap of chaos on top. So, you know, I think you can get at them early. You rattle them. You get an early goal and, you know, all hell can break loose. So I'm, 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 I'm really confident. But I, for me personally, I would much rather us from the, the whistle absolutely throw the kitchen sink at them rather than just tap it around and let them come at us and hit them on the break. But can, uh, Jeff, can you see Jose doing that? Uh, I don't really know what to expect of him, in all honesty. Um, being it's a home game, actually, um, we, we will have 2,000 fans there. I don't believe there'll be any Arsenal fans, but I, I, I think we've got 2,000. That'll be an odd dynamic because mm. we've never seen that before. Imagine... A North London derby with only 2,000 people there. It's, uh, it's, it's bizarre. Um, but I hope they're noisy. I hope they're allowed to, to be noisy because that will undoubtedly work in our favour. Mm. What I'd like to see improve is um, with Kane and Son, I think the pair of them have only had um, three shots between them in the last two games and they've all been from outside the area. I know that, again, that's the, the way that we're playing. It creates chances for, for others maybe, but... Um, it seems like we've got a way of playing against top top six opposition and a way of playing against the rest. Um, we'd have to consider Arsenal to be in the rest category, which is uh, again sort of you know bizarre in itself. But no, I, I, I hope we absolutely take them apart. I, I hope we dismantle them like terribly because um, they're there for the taking at the minute. The pressure is all on them. They they don't know how to to score. They they, they are completely at sea at the moment and. And we're not. We're in a really good place. So I, I, I just can't wait to watch it. But there's always that 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 feeling holding you back. That you know, it's um, it wouldn't it be typical if it's either them or West Ham that kind of derail yeah. our best efforts just when you think everything's looking up. But 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really confident that, that we'll, we'll play well and get results. Their, their best player last two or three years has been Obama Yang, of course. Is there something so funny about Arsenal that every time they give some, every time some superstar comes near the end of their contract and they end up paying them 300, 350 grand a week, they just stop playing. He, has, he stopped playing. He's thinking, I'm set for life. It's like he's won that thing on the lottery, set for life. He's got his feet up, isn't he? He's having a cigar every game. I mean, I'm touching wood here myself now. We don't want to tempt fate. But, you know, whenever we played him in the last two or three years, I've always thought, oh, God, I don't even want him to get the ball. He looks, he's looks so lethal. And he, he doesn't even have a shot. I don't think he's had a shot in three games or something. I read analysis of that, actually, the other day. And, but they were saying that he's not getting the service as well. He's, you know, he's, he's – and, of course, that as a forward who is the biggest name in the team – you just get more and more stroppy and grumpy and frustrated. He's the captain as well, and you know he's meant to do something. So I think, you know, there's a there's a combination of factors. I mean, obviously, one of the interesting things is why isn't Özil in this in this in the team to yeah. feed him at least sometimes? I, I yeah. just don't understand that, that whole situation. Yeah, he's precisely what they lack, isn't he? He's exactly. a, a world class chance creator. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I, I just don't get it. And the rest of the team look like a load of nothing very much to me, I have to say. You yeah. know, they've got one or two players of promise, but yeah. there's nothing much there, is there? Well, I think, you know, lads, I think it's time for me to force you to make predictions now because that is, uh, I'm obliged to do that. And what I'm going to ask you for is score predictions, first of all, for Lask. Just to, just a warm-up, we get the Lask scores. Jeff? Uh, yeah, 4-0 to us, obviously. Stuart? I'm with Jeff. 4-0. Yeah, 2-0. So I'm, I'm going to go 3-0. There you go. Now, the real, the big one. So we're going to go back the rever- in reverse order now. Simon, what do you think we'll do against the goons? Uh, we'll beat them 5-1. Whoa! <laughs> get get on to William Hill as soon as you can. <laughs> Stuart? I'm going 4-1. Okay, modest. Yeah, okay, Jeff? Yeah, 2-1, I, I think, would be more realistic. Yeah, 2-1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think more realistic is a very good description of that. And I'm going to go 2-0. I just think uh, it, we might just get another clean sheet against the goons. But we are, let's hope to God that our optimism doesn't prove to be a curse. Um, we're nearly going to wrap it up, but Stuart, you wanted to tell us about a book? Yeah, a very good friend of mine has released a book called Galazzo, The Football Italia Years. Now, what's interesting for Spurs fans is this is the story of uh, Football Italia, which was on Channel 4. And it came on just at the time that Paul Gascoigne left Spurs and joined Lazio. And the Italian football was the centre of the world. And, and Jonathan Grade has written this book. He was working there at the time, which is the story of... Football Italia and the stories behind what was going on there. And I, I think it looks a great, from under a tenor, it looks a great Christmas present. What's it called? For anyone that's into football. It's called Galazzo, the Football Galazzo. Italia. Years. Galazzo. Jonathan Grade. If you Google right. Jonathan Grade in Amazon, you'll get him. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Gentlemen, I'd like to thank you all. Simon, thanks for coming again. Stuart, thanks for coming again. And Jeff, big thanks for joining us. It's been great having you on. Um, and uh, this is, yeah, this is it. This is the end of the show. And next time we see you, hopefully we'll be top of the league and we'll have beaten the goons to a pulp. This is Theodore Delaney on. in London saying, Come on, you Spurs! Come on, you Spurs! Come on, you Spurs! Come on, you Spurs!
This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.